0: For most of my life, people have called me easy. Believe me, there is nothing easy about today. Wellington Mara always said, once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Thank you so much. Welcome to another episode of This Week in Sports, episode number 84. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. It is Friday, January 24th. 2020. We are two days away from my sister's birthday, so shout out to her. I think she's going to be 25 years old. Um, That was just Eli Manning that you heard right there. If you did not already know, Eli Manning of the New York Giants has announced his retirement, did that a couple of days ago, and today he gave a little presser. Um, nice little clip there of Eli. He didn't, uh, he got a little bit emotional, a little bit of the sniffles, um, if you will, but uh, he kept it together well. And, and now, really, if you live in the New York metro area, as I do in New Jersey, sports talk radio, everything that we hear about, have heard about, or that has been kind of um, talked about on multiple occasions throughout the week since Eli announced his retirement, has been whether or not he is going to be enshrined in Canton. And so um, that is the great debate right now. Personally, I I don't have a problem with Eli going into the Hall of Fame because— I mean, I know he is probably going to get in. Personally, do I think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback? No. But again, I don't have an issue with him getting in. Just on the sure fact of the two Super Bowls, the two unbelievable comeback wins over the New England Patriots both times in those Super Bowls, beat arguably the greatest— team of all time trying to be 18 and 0 in the new england patriots and so for that reason i think that he deserves to be in not based on his you know overall numbers or what the to me it's the eye test right when you look at a player you just know that they are something special and you kind of didn't really get that with eli you saw bits and pieces but he never won an mvp in the league he again two time super bowl mvp that's huge yes But he also led the league in interceptions three times, okay? And I know people are going to say, well, Brett Favre is right up there as well in interceptions. But come on, they're not the same player, not even close, all right? And a lot of it comes with the name, the Manning name. You have, of course, Archie Manning, his father, and Peyton Manning, his brother, who obviously a Hall of Famer in his own right, two-time Super Bowl winner as well so it's a very well known family and again so yeah eli manning he has announced his retirement he is probably going to get into the hall of fame but it's been big debate uh, much a lot maligned throughout the week on you know different varying opinions here and again i don't have an issue with him getting in don't think he is a quote unquote hall of fame player but again i don't have an issue with him getting in. Joe Namath got the one Super Bowl, and that's it. Really, what else does he have? He had less, um, he had an under, a sub-500 win percentage, right? He lost more games than he won. Eli, 117 and 117, I believe, uh, career record. So, you know, there's probably worse players in the Hall of Fame, and there's definitely better players in the Hall of Fame, so he's going to end a stellar career. I don't. Here's the thing, though, about Eli. I don't necessarily think that he wanted to retire, but we have hit this transitioning period where back, what, whatever it was, five years ago, or, or, or yeah five, six years ago when Peyton Manning decided to leave the Colts because they drafted Andrew Luck and go to the Denver Broncos, there was a market for him. I don't think there is a market at this moment for Eli Manning. And he knows the writing is on the wall. He was relegated to backup duties for the number six overall pick in Daniel Jones. He is the future of the Giants. And I think that Now he is realizing that there's no place for him to go. You thought maybe the Jaguars they picked up, uh, Nick Foles, he turned out to be uh, a not-so-good investment there. And so really, where else do you go from there? There's a couple teams like the Chicago Bears that could use a quarterback, but I don't think they're willing to give up on Mitchell Trubisky just yet because they were 12-4 and in 2018, and I think that Matt Nagy believes that with a healthy Mitchell Trubisky, because he was hurt for a portion of the season, that they could kind of turn things around and get it back moving in that direction and build on that success. And maybe this was just a bump in the road towards future uh, success like they had a season ago. Um, Also of note for Eli Manning, I don't want to miss this. This is very important too. He had a uh, streak of consecutive games played in his career, he never missed a game until the dopey Giants decided to bench him for Geno Smith. So that was not um, via injury or anything like that. So to say that Eli Manning, you know, everyone likes to make fun of him. Everybody said, you know, he has a dopey look on his face and he's always looking confused every time he throws an interception. And yes, again, he led the league in interceptions three times, which is not great. But his career really platooned um, and took a nosedive in the last few years because the Giants refused to build around the offensive line and get him weapons on offense. Really, the best players on offense, they they went over this. Um, I was listening on the radio the other day. If you think about Eli Manning's career, okay, what offensive weapons did he have? He didn't play with a single Hall of Fame Um, offensive lineman or or wide receiver, the best wide receiver he played with or the best really offensive weapons he played with was Plaxico Burris and Odell Beckham, and he really only got a couple of of years with Odell. So really he didn't have much Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw, you know, a couple offensive linemen here or there, uh, Sean O'Hara, and uh, Tom Coughlin's uh, son in law, name slipping me right now. But uh, yeah, a couple good guys here. And of course, the defense was so vaunted and so great with Ozio Minura and, and Stray, Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck. And they are a big part of the reason why they won that uh second Super Bowl um and, and you know it, it's just uh y- but again like I like I keep getting back to not a Hall of Fame player in my book but I totally totally fine with him getting in I have no problem with him getting in whatsoever so I really um didn't plan on starting there with the Eli Manning thing but what was that? Oh, okay, my book bag just fell over. Sorry about that. So, anyway, I did not plan on starting with the Eli thing, but I did want to start with the NFL, and we'll get right into that now. The Super Bowl is set, Super Bowl 54 in Miami. Okay, it is going to be the drum drumroll, da, 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 if you didn't know, the Kansas City Chiefs versus the San Francisco 49ers. I got this one half right, I think, with my bets. I was picking the Chiefs, and I went with my dumb... See, this is where I I screwed up. I took minus 7.5 for the Chiefs, or minus 7 I got it at, and then I took the plus 7.5 with Green Bay. Here's the problem with that. I should have seen this a mile away. Everybody and their mothers, their uncles, their grandmothers, their grandfathers, everybody who's anybody took those exact bets. And whenever that happens it's ne- it's not going to pull through, and you're not going to win. So I should have seen that right away and said, wait a minute, everybody is not me. They don't know what they're doing, and they're going to get this wrong. And I should have not slept on San Francisco, but I did, just like the whole world has slept on San Francisco this whole season, and it was really remarkable how they won this game. But I'll get into that after the Mahomes— uh, the Chiefs game, rather. So, uh, yeah, they were down 10-0 again in this one. The Titans went up early. But then, of course, you know, no pa- no time to panic when you have Patrick Mahomes and um, that explosive offense that is Tyreek Hill, that is Sammy Watkins, that is uh, Travis Kelsey, that is Damian Williams, you name it. They've got the weapons. So, Mahomes, he had himself a solid game, 294 yards and three touchdowns. Here is the key play in the game that basically um, gave it—it it, it, uh, swayed the momentum way in favor of the Chiefs. Headed to halftime, 20 seconds left, Chiefs down 17 to 14. When Patrick Mahomes has the scramble of his life, take a listen in right now. 26. Over here, over here. The yeah. blue lady who's Second and ten as that Tennessee defense drops back. As long as try to make a diving attempt by Holmes who tiptoes inside the 10. Still not out. Oh what a run! to what's happened right here in this game, down 10 to zero. This quarterback has played at a level you just don't see very often. Everything is almost, I mean, watch this, I'm like, okay, he's probably done, he's gonna run out of that Gives him a little shake. Oh, he's definitely, no, I'm gonna keep going, come back in, three more guys, no, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes. You're right, they had him, it looked like two or three times. He takes some 86 yards at a minute and 40 seconds. Well, you can't be calm in the pocket. Be poised. Have a big arm. Be able to slide and move. Great instincts. And then outrun for 30 yards around three people and take on everybody. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you can. Rare. Rare wow. you are. Mahomes. There you have it. It was an incredible run. I'm sure you have all seen it by now. That really gave the Chiefs all the momentum going to half receiving the second half kickoff, and it was all she wrote in a um, 35-24 victory. It is their first Super Bowl appearance in 50 years for the Chiefs. So now if you are counting... Only the Browns and the Lions, well, there's a a couple teams that have had uh, big-time Super Bowl droughts. You have the Browns tied with the Lions, 54 years since uh, their last Super Bowl appearances. Then you have my lowly Jets. It's been 51 years since their Super Bowl III victory. And and then the Vikings at 43 years and the Dolphins at 35 years. So it's the race to see who makes it back to the Super Bowl first between those five teams. All right, so then later in the day, we had the 49ers sending Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers home to Green Bay. They dominated, and I mean absolutely dominated. I lost this bet within the first quarter. They win it 37-20. to 20. It wasn't even that close. It was, ladies and gentlemen, 27 to nothing at halftime. Aaron Rodgers was being shut out by the San Francisco 49ers, and I struggled with this because we all knew we all had this information previously. The Packers played the San Francisco 49ers earlier this season, and it was an ugly loss for the Packers, okay? They only lost three games all year, and that was one of them, and it was extremely bad. And so I thought for sure that in a rematch, they would be ready, they would come out strong, and they could definitely cover and possibly most likely win this game, and it just wasn't the case. The 49ers slept on them all year, slept on that defense, especially just incredible. You knew it was over at halftime because why? Uh, some guy named Raheem Mostert ran for 160 yards, and that is not a typo. That's not a mis uh, you know, a mispronunciation on my part. That is accurate. He ran for 160 yards on the ground, a guy that was on the practice squad earlier this season, a man that was cut previously by six different teams including my New York Jets before landing with the San Francisco 49ers. He has he ends up finishing with a career day, 220 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Four of them So I believe he set franchise records for most rushing yards in a playoff game, uh, second most uh, touchdowns, I believe, in, in an NFC championship game. Just unreal the day he had. The Packers should be ashamed of themselves because they could not stop the run. This was insane. And best yet, the 49ers look like the Tennessee Titans against the New England Patriots. You have a running back that runs for about 200 yards and a quarterback that threw the ball just eight times for 77 yards. Absolutely incredible. So, now let's preview the Super Bowl, right? You have, well, you have the um Chiefs and the 49ers. Really, what's the advantage here? Both teams are having to travel across country to play in Miami. There's no real advantage there. Okay, the Chiefs play in cold weather usually, 49ers not so much. So maybe advantage To the 49ers, but not really because anybody plays well in the hot in in in, you know warmer temperatures. And then secondly, so the Chiefs open at about one and a half point favorites. And here's why I'm taking the Chiefs, mostly because I'm rooting for Patrick Mahomes. He was on my fantasy team this year. Everybody wants to see. Andy Reid, that's the big storyline in this one. Andy Reid hasn't been to a Super Bowl um, in 15 years, where he lost to the New England Patriots when he was then head coach of the New, uh, of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And you have Kyle Shanahan, the young 40-year-old, first-time head coach in his second Super Bowl appearance, trying to do what nobody's done—the biggest turnaround uh, for this team. They were horrible last year, dealt with injuries. That the you know to be able to swing what he has swung in in one year. And get them to the number one seed in the NFC and get them to the Super Bowl is incredible. It is just the second time that two teams are meeting in the Super Bowl where one team led the conference in rushing and one team led the conference in passing. for, excuse me. 49ers led the uh, NFC in rushing. And of course, the Patrick Mahomes-led Chiefs led the AFC in passing yards. Okay. Um, what else did I want to say? Uh I didn't want to get off track. So the Chiefs, yes, they're one-and-a-half-point favorites, and here's why I'm taking the Chiefs, because the Titans were that exact team that the that the uh, 49ers is trying to beat in the sense that pound, 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 throw as little as possible with their quarterback. Don't make the quarterback beat uh, uh, have to win the game because we'll lose, and that's what happened with the Titans. They've steamrolled the Patriots and the Ravens, and then they hit the Chiefs, and the Chiefs are the best, most efficient firepower uh, they have the most firepower. They're the most efficient offense in the league, in my opinion. They have weapons galore. Nobody could cover Kelsey. Nobody could keep up with Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins. It's just insane. And so, yes, the, they the 49ers have a great defense, but Aaron Rodgers is not the mobile quarterback anymore in his career, you know, to the same extent that. Patrick Mahomes is even coming off the dislocated knee. He's been moving well, as you saw and heard in that run for the touchdown. So I think his ability to get out of the pocket, get away from Bosa, uh, get away from Armstead and and those boys, I think that it'll give them some extra time, uh, you know, to to come back towards the ball, you know, to improvise. Tyreek Hill does a great job of that, coming back towards the ball. All those guys do. And so that's why I'm going to give the edge to the – Chiefs because they have the better quarterback and I they I think they have the better offense and in this case I want to say that the offense is going to outlast and out you know and trump the defense of the forty ers because in all likelihood if this comes down to. Jimmy Garoppolo having to win the game, I think the 49ers are in trouble. Although he's done a great job managing and he's been extremely efficient all season long. I'd put him a step above what Mark Sanchez was with the Jets in 09 and 10. He was more of a game manager. they leaned on the run. Don't get me wrong. Garoppolo can sling it. He has, you know, the ability to throw it as well. And he, you know, he doesn't shy away from anything, but he's not on the same level as Patrick Mahomes. And I'm sure everyone would agree with that. So, With that being said, that's a little preview. We've got another week to go before we see that game, Super Bowl 54, being played. Oh, and for Kyle Shanahan, guys, this is his second Super Bowl, so second appearance for each guy. They don't have one yet. Shanahan, uh, most recently, three years ago, he's famously had the 28-3 lead uh, as a member of the Atlanta Falcons. He was their offensive coordinator. And in the second half, uh, people were left scratching their heads at some of the plays he was calling in the second half ultimately they lost in overtime and squandered that 28 to 3 uh lead and that will go down in history as one of the most uh compelling and in you know just disastrous in imp- implosions in the history of the Super Bowl uh you know they were so close yet so far and they could not finish up 28 to 3 so uh yeah we'll see what we'll see what goes down but right now I'm going to take the Chiefs at minus one and a half all right moving on let's talk the Jaguars so the Jaguars have just announced Jay Gruden as their new offensive coordinator of course he was fired this year after a couple games at the helm in Washington. He met he, you know, head coach there for a few years. And of course, he is the brother of now, I guess I gotta call him the Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden. So upgrade there for the Jaguars, see what they look like in the new year. Uh talked about Eli Manning. Okay, uh let's segue this into the uh, Oakland Raiders. Now we'll talk about them. They have officially uh, moved to Vegas on Wednesday. It became official. They had a ceremony at Allegiant Stadium. That's going to be the home of their uh, of their games now. That's their new stadium, Allegiant Stadium. So most notably this week, and in context with that whole Vegas theme, they are going to be holding April's 2020 NFL Draft in Vegas. And I'm sure you've seen it circulating by now. It's incredible. I wish I could be there. It's kind of, it might be gimmicky, but I think it's going to be really cool and fun. And for a first time doing this, I think it's going to be a a huge hit. They are going to have the NFL draft. The stage is going to be in Bellagio's fountains. So literally the stage is is like underwater and you're going to have to take from what I heard, like a boat up to the stage when you're when your name is called, when you've been drafted, uh, it's crazy that it, the, the rendering, the rendered images look awesome. Uh, I just can't even wait to watch this on TV. I wish it were April already. And then, of course, let's talk a little Antonio Brown because you know it, we we can't go another week without without mentioning this guy. This guy's name—it was just a moron um, and cannot contain himself, doesn't know how to behave like a normal human being, and this is why someone needs to get him help, because he's gonna kill somebody or he's going to take his own life. And we're getting close. We're inching closer each and every minute, each and every hour, and especially each and every day. So here's what's going to happen. I'll break it down in detail. So sometime earlier this week, Antonio Brown hired a moving company to move his stuff from, I guess he had a California home, obviously played with the Oakland Raiders, right? So he's trying to move his stuff across country to Hollywood, Florida, where he resides, right? And where he's from. Okay, the moving truck gets there. And it's $4,000. Well, Antonio Brown doesn't want to pay the $4,000. So what does he do? Him and his trainer start to uh, throw rocks and beat up this delivery driver, if you will. And so the guy leaves, and then the owner calls Antonio Brown. And then Antonio Brown says, okay, have him come back. Uh, My bad. I'll pay the guy the $4,000 to get my stuff. We'll be done guy comes back Antonio Brown pays the 4,000 as far as I know but then the guy says there's over $800 worth of damages Antonio Brown refuses to pay those damages they maybe fight a little bit more and then uh, the police end up arresting his personal trainer and then eventually they issue an arrest warrant for Antonio Brown and he turned himself into police yesterday he is charged with burglary and battery for an alleged— in- Yeah, so burglary and battery. And he ended up today posting his $110,000 bail, and he was released. So slap on the wrist. Nothing is even going to happen. Oh, they went into the back of the truck, and they actually started ripping other people's stuff out that was back there and damaging all that stuff, too. It was just a whole mess. And there was a 911 call made by the truck—you dr- the you know, the moving driver himself— And you could, you know, tell in, in the, uh, you know, in the distress call, in the 911 call, that he was being, he was saying that he believes Antonio Brown is high or that he's on something. And, and, um, they ask him, "Are, are you think he's, you know, on something? And he confirms that. And he says, yes, he, I saw him smoking right in front of me. So who knows what he was smoking, probably marijuana, but, uh, mix that in with the Aaron Hernandez documentary. And he probably has CTE in a very bad case of it. And it comes with violent outbursts and, all that good stuff, and I'm sure, you know, Antonio Brown, people have speculated at the Vontaze Perfect hit that he's dealing with that stuff, and he needs to get help sooner rather than later before, like I said, he kills himself or somebody else. And then last but not least, guys, one quick Last note that I wanted to bring up, the Vikings have named a replacement for uh, Kevin Stefanski, who left to become the Browns head coach. He was, of course, their offensive coordinator. So their replacement now will be none other than Gary Kubiak, former Broncos uh, head coach when they won Super Bowl 50 a few years ago. He uh, recently worked for the Vikings as an assistant offensive coach last season. He did not call plays, but... He was apparently very influential on the offense that was run by Kevin Stefanski. After he won that Super Bowl with the Broncos, if you guys remember, he decided to call it quits, citing some health reasons. So hopefully, you know, that's done and over with. And yeah, Vikings have themselves a new offensive coordinator. All right, guys, let's see. We are 24 minutes in. This is going to be a pretty quick, short episode, about an hour. So we're going to take a quick break, regroup, and then when we come back, we're going to talk Everything that was UFC 246. We'll be right back. What's going on, everybody? We are back for part two. Probably, we might have three parts to this show today. But uh, I'm not feeling so great, a little under the weather, so I do want to pick this up. We're going to dive right in. It is UFC 246. I wanted to get some audio to start off this uh, part two with the Conor McGregor versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone fight that took all of 40 seconds, so it would have been nice to have that intro into uh, this segment of the show. But prior to that, you had a uh, Holly Holm. She beat that that girl from Colorado or whatever. It was a boring fight. They were up against the ring, the the wall the whole time there, and uh, really wasn't much of a fight. And then we had this one. The main card, you know, the main event that everybody had been waiting for, Conor McGregor hasn't won a match in, you know, a couple of years, since November 12, 2016. He, of course, had only two fights in between them, the boxing match with uh, Floyd Mayweather, the gimmick, and then the, uh, where he was paid $100 million, and then, of course, the fight with Khabib, which he lost, uh... Convincingly, actually. And so then coming into this one, nobody really knew what to go with. I said, if I was going to, if you were a betting man, you probably take Conor McGregor. But because you have better odds, there's better money to be won on Cerrone. I would have taken probably Cowboy in that aspect. But I didn't bet on this, didn't know enough, didn't know what to expect, and did not see that coming. Conor McGregor kind of pulls the Mosfi doll where he runs at you Ben Askren style. And, uh, you go, you jump at him, and then he goes low to, to to drop his head or to block, and then you take the knee right to the face when he's not looking for it, and he kind of did that, stunned him a little bit, and then he came out of nowhere with these little shoulder thrusts, and he broke his nose, totally stunned him off balance, and he just took him out. Forty seconds, I think it's his second quickest uh, knockout of his career, and yeah. Conor McGregor is back, baby. So that was UFC 246. Again, nobody saw it coming. Even Cowboy said afterwards, you know, he got stunned. Good job on his part. He didn't, you know, see it coming. And from that point, people like to bash winners. And and what happened was with this one is they kept bashing Cerrone and saying how could Cowboy, uh, you know, fall down and lose to a couple of, bit, uh, you know, a couple of, um, you know, not so menacing or not so big, uh, like shoulder thrust. It's not like he was getting punched in the face with a fist. They were saying, you know, it's a shoulder thrust, come on. But do you realize these are the best fighters in the world, chiseled, friggin' animals, okay? If this world ever went post-apocalyptic and there were zombies running around, those are the types of guys that I want to, I want to surround myself with it is, you know, it is the dominant forces of nature that can fight their way through just about anything and survive through just about anything. And that's what these guys are. They're UFC fighters. They are the best of the best. And yeah, you take a shoulder thrust from Conor McGregor and see if it don't have you crying back to mommy. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, that was a non-issue. Okay, and in my book, Cerrone is still a great fighter, and, and kudos to him. He got caught on something that he wasn't prepared for, and he lost. It's one fight, and that's you know he's getting up there in age, but uh, he's not done by any means. All right, so that was UFC 246. Next, let's talk Australian Open. We know what's going on with the Aust- you know the fires in Australia. We had three U.S. firefighters die earlier in the week. A uh, plane crash, I think, trying to help, and, and um, that was sad there. But so, uh, yeah, try to bring some relief to uh, the, you know, the great nation that is Australia, the great continent there. I've never been myself, but uh, like to go there one day. Uh, anyway, I, I digress. So we have had some major upsets thus far through about three rounds. Okay, we still have. I believe Nadal has to play tonight at about 9.45 to advance to the fourth round, okay? But on the women's side, we'll start there first, and it's been all Coco Golf, Coco Golf, Coco Golf. Let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, she is 15 years old. Here it is, Coco Golf. Coco Mania builds momentum down under the last round it was Coco the fiery competitor. Tonight, Chrissy, it's just Coco the composed stays cool as her opponent melts down. Just ridiculous. And guess who she beat in that third round? In straight sets, mind you, six three, six-four. It would be defending champ Naomi Osaka, the number one player in the world. Or she was at one point. I don't know if she slipped from that ranking, but just unreal. So she's on to the fourth round. Let's see how far she can take this thing. Sadly, Serena, she was rolling. Okay, looking to uh tie for the most grand slam victories. I believe looking for her 24th Grand Slam. Okay. And uh not gonna happen. She it would have been her eighth, I want to say, eighth Australian Open. Uh, championship, but that doesn't happen either. She gets upset in the third round. It happened late last night, I believe, or early this morning. She's upset by Wang um in three sets, and of course that was in the third round, so she's out. Okay, like I said, as for the men, it's been it's been a uh, steady rolling here. You have Federer and uh, Djokovic excuse me, yeah, Federer and and the Joker, they are on to the fourth round, and it looks like they will be headed towards a semifinal matchup, I believe, coming up in a couple days. Uh, But then you have, like I said, Nadal, he's chasing them, he's trying to win again. The funny thing about this is, they're all looking at the top. Of course, Federer is the oldest one, and he holds the most career grand slams at 20. You then have Nadal with 19 and jo- Djokovic has 16. So they're all catching up to each other here and it should be a fun finish see who can win that Australian Open. Um so yeah, we'll see how that plays out. All right, we probably we might not even need to do a part 3. Yeah, I'll do a part 3 just because I'll talk baseball right now and then I'll do a part 4 to to wrap this thing up. So, let us talk about baseball. There are two prolific things uh, events that occurred this during this week. Number one of course would be the Hall of Fame. We found out who made it into the Hall of Fame, okay, on Tuesday it was Larry Walker and Derek Jeter making it into the Hall of Fame. No surprise on the Derek Jeter front, as far as Larry Walker, it was his final 10th and final time on the ballot, okay, last year of eligibility and he made it. By six, uh, he, he made it by, I don't know how much he made it by, but I know he jumped up 15%-ish. He got like 76.6% of the votes. So he gets in in his final ballot, and Derek Jeter gets in. We all knew, of course, that the captain, Mr. November himself, was going to get in, right? Everybody knew he was going to get in. The only issue was whether he would be unanimous or not. And I'm driving home from softball practice, and they make the announcement, and they say that Derek Jeter and Larry Walker are in. They were the only two that made it in this year's class. Kurt Schilling was third. He got like 70% of the votes. And then Bonds and Clemens, not even nowhere near. So he's in, and I'm waiting for the number, and then they announce the number. He does not get 100% of the vote, he gets. 99.7% 99.7% of the vote or 396 out of 397 yes votes, which means one sh- one schlup, one schmuck, one moronic, idiotic person decided not to vote Derek Jeter into the Hall of Fame. It is a travesty. It is a disaster. It's devastating as a New York Yankees fan, but especially as a Derek Jeter fan, my favorite player of all time, the captain. How does he not get 100% of the votes? I thought we were past all of this when his teammate, Mariano Rivera, became the first player in history to get 100% of the vote on his first ballot. We thought Jeter was a shoo-in for the same, and one man did not vote Jeter in, and it is a disgrace. It's blasphemous. It's absolutely blasphemous, and it's a joke, and I can't wait to find out who it was because, as you all know, we will find out who it is at some point, and we're going to find out pretty soon because if you if you know how the voting works, okay, um, because the vote took place on Tuesday, February 4th, is when we should find out who this lone uh, this lone wolf was because many of these voters, they will check off a box on the ballot that allows the public to see their votes. And if you're the guy that didn't vote for Derek Jeter, you're going to have checked that box because you want to talk about it and gloat on why you were the only one that didn't vote for him. And it was probably some Bostonite, some uh, you know Mets fan or, or somebody that has a grudge to pick with Derek Jeter. Although I don't know how you could, because he has carried himself with nothing but dignity and class and work ethic and just uh, just everything that you know the epitome of, of what a, a male athlete should be or any athlete should be in this day and age. Uh, you know somebody that Odell Beckham or, or you know Miles Garrett or some of these players. They, they just—they're so disrespectful, and if you just took a little inkling of what Derek Jeter was and sprinkled it on them, they would be way better for it. So, um, yeah, uh, I just—there was a—so there was a lot of speculation. I, I immediately started hitting my Twitter fingers trying to find out who this idiot was, who this guy was that would not vote, that would leave Derek Jeter off his ballot because you could vote for 10 guys— and I'm searching and I'm searching and I'm searching. And this name starts to come up is Dave Williams. And I start to learn that it's a guy from Barstool, uh, Chicago, that reports on the White Sox. And it it didn't really quite add up. So that was all I heard on that. But apparently um, that is not the case. It, it, the name has not leaked yet. Um, I've been listening to a lot of talk sports talk radio and, and the Michael K show. Excuse me. And they have not divulged it. They said they don't know either. So we, it's a waiting game at this point. But oh, yeah, we will find out. And yes, he is second now all time with a 99.7%. Uh, percent acceptance into uh the Hall of Fame which I guess it's kind of fitting because he wore you know number 2 his entire career and now he's second behind Mariano Rivera so that's I guess kind of poetic and kind of cool and if that's the guy's excuse then shame on him and then also I mean it is a possibility this guy is just stood odd and literally forgot to check off Derek Jeter's name on the bo- on the ballot and if that's the case it doesn't re- well actually realis- really it doesn't matter what the case case. Case is this guy's vote needs to be revoked 100%, and he needs to never be allowed to vote for the Hall of Fame again. Because I thought we were past this. I thought the old school way of thinking, where oh well, well Babe Ruth and Gary and all these old school. All-time greats didn't get in on their first ballot, so I'm never voting anybody in on their first ballot. I thought we were past this because Derek Jeter played in the toughest place to play for 20 seasons in the in the Bronx, in New York, in the spotlight and not once was he in the media for doing something bad or egregious or being arrested or drugs or linked to anything bad PR-wise. He was, like I said, he was of the utmost character. His his parents are amazing people. Of course, his father being a doctor, and they raised him right, and he is exactly the type of player that I wanted to emulate when I played I watched every single game. I loved everything about him from his signature jump throw to the fact that even if he hit a ball back to the pitcher or a ground ball to second base, he ran and gave 110% through the base because you're not out until they call you out. And if you run and you put the pressure on the fielders, anything could happen. And it's always about who's watching you. There was one time in spring training, where Derek it was maybe 96 and they were you know in spring training down in Florida I believe it was and well obviously cuz the Yankee spring training is down in Florida but uh it was him and Don Mattingly Don Mattingly was the you know captain before Jeter veteran type of guy and it's after you know during uh long spring training days so they would take The morning they would do some, you know, routine stuff and then they would take a little break, maybe go for lunch and then they would come back. So it was in between one of these breaks and they were coming back and they had to go to a field. It was a fence through left field down to another field and it was him and Don Mattingly. And I think it was Don Mattingly that said, you know, let's, you know, let's jog over there or, or, started running over there and Cheater said why or whatever or, or something to that effect. And Don Mattingly said, because you never know who's watching even at spring training. You just never know who's watching, who's going to see that work ethic, that hustle and who is going to, um, you know, and who you're going to impact with that. I'll never forget, I mean, obviously growing up, I was always taught that, my father being a baseball coach and a successful one at that, obviously always taught me never give up, never quit, to hustle, give 100%, you know, right? What you lack in talent, you can 100% make up with heart, effort, and hustle. And I'll never forget trying out for my middle school baseball team as a, you know, sixth grader, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade middle school, And it was a virtual, you know, impossibility. Uh, The numbers were stacked against me. Sixth graders just did not make this baseball team. It was very rare. Um, I mean, they made it, but it was maybe one, two, three max that made the team. And I'll never forget, I was at, it was either the first or second day of tryouts. Of course, you had to show up. You had to have the proper, you know, equipment and the proper attire. You couldn't wear, like, jeans. Kids would get sent home if they had jeans or if they didn't have baseball pants, you know, and all that good stuff, a belt. So we're there. And he's the the coach is splitting us up into into groups, and he, you know he's telling oh these guys go into like the Augs gym, you're gonna do BP off the pitching machine, and then um you know he was splitting up different groups, and I forget what I was being sent to do. It was something I believe with my glove. So I but I was called first, and I'm like a deer in headlights. I'm trying to make a good impression. I'm young, you know. I don't really know what you know what I'm doing or what the competition is really like. I know all the kids above me. I've played with them and this and that, but you know I. I really didn't know how to, how to, how this was going to go. And so I'm picked first, right? I'm called, I'm the first one called and it's like, oh great. And he sends me, you know, to like the corner of the gym. It wasn't that far, maybe 25 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards max, not even. And so I get called and I get up and I start walking over there and boy, do you know that that coach let me hear it? And he said, uh, you're going to, you know, something t- along the lines of, you know, are you gonna hustle? Or are you gonna act like you want to be here? Something to that effect, right? And then I knew I just screwed up. So of course I ran my behind over there. And uh, yeah, that was just something that always stuck with me. And you're always want you always want to stand out. And I. I rag on Brandon Nimmo a lot because he gets he gets hit by a pitch and he drops his, you know, his shin guard and everything and then he sprints to first base. And I rag on him for that because I think it's a little bit corny. I think that's going overboard a little bit, but at the end of the day it's really it's not hurting anybody, and it's it's good for young kids to see that type of hustle because I hate to see the guys now that showboat and they hit a ball back to the pitcher or hit a ground ball to second base and they jog, and then the excuse is that they don't want to hurt themselves. Well, guess what? If you stretch properly and you get to the stadium before the game and you keep your body in tip-top shape instead of going out to the clubs and the bars in New York and everything else, then you'll be fine. Derek Jeter did just fine running it out every single time to first base, no matter where he hit the ball. And so, yeah, that was just a learning experience for me back in middle school that has always stuck with me. So to all of you kids out there that are listening, you never know who's watching, whether it's a freshman baseball game, you know, a varsity high school game, a t-ball game, always give 110%, always hustle, never walk, and always know that somebody is watching you, whether it's a scout or a parent or a another coach, it doesn't matter. You're going to make an impression. And if you always hustle, see I used to always when when I that was the other thing I used to always do. When we in between innings when I would play, no matter what what level I played in high school, middle school, you name it, travel ball, AAU, whatever. Whenever we were going out in between innings going going out to the field after we were up at bat I would always make sure I'm either I'm one of the I'm the first one or one of the first ones out there whether if I was up at bat of course then uh, I would stand at the base and wait for my teammate to bring my glove and hat and whatnot but if I was uh, on deck I'd have to take my batting gloves off all that stuff I would still make sure I hustled to not be the last one out onto that field and same goes for you know coming in after we made three outs and it's our turn to hit, if I was even playing, I didn't play outfield very often, but it, say I was in the outfield and, you know, the th- third baseman is closest to the dugout, I would make sure I sprinted from the outfield and made sure that I beat some of those infielders back to the, you know, huddle and back to the bench. And so that's how I always carried myself. And I kind of had to, I had to have that hustle, that chip on my shoulder, had to do a little bit extra being a guy that's, you know, 120 pounds soaking wet, five foot three and three quarters or five foot four, maybe. And, you know, it, it, it all paid off and, and it's not all about the the strength and, and um, sheer power, if you will. But like I said, it's, it's corny, but it's about your, your heart, your determination, your, your, your grit, your will. Um and your upbringing, and, and that's really it. And Derek Jeter uh, epitomized all of those and and some, and he was the greatest, in my opinion, that ever lived, the greatest on-field and off-field player that I've ever watched. Now, not the most, the, the best, you know, the greatest pure talent. He wasn't going to jump off the board at you in terms of his numbers, but lifetime 310 hitter postseason lifetime 309 hitter he has played more games than anybody in the postseason 158 he leads every statistical postseason category he's top four in all of them first in a bunch he's tied for third in home runs and a couple other and, and he's fourth in one other category category that's the worst spot he's in, but just an un- unbelievable player. Um, and, and yeah, it was sad to see him retire in 2014 and I wish him nothing but success and luck with his family. He's got a, a daughter now and, and um, you know, managing the, uh, the Miami Marlins, obviously he's CEO there. So uh, yeah, I'm just uh wait. We're going to wait and find out now. And we'll, it's just a waiting game to see who this one lone guy is that did not vote for Derek Jeter. So, With that being said, we'll flip things on over and talk about the other team from the New York um, area, and that would be the New York Metropolitans, the Mets. They have replaced Carlos Beltran. They were the first ones of the three to name a new manager, and I say of the three because, of course, linked to the sign stealing with the Houston Astros and Boston Red Sox. Those two teams have yet to name a manager, and uh, surprisingly enough, the Mets were the quickest to do so, and they lost their manager last. So Beltron was fired last after the other two teams, and so for them to name a new uh, a manager that quickly, it's it's uh, interesting. And the guy that they named isn't going to jump off the board at you. You're not going to recognize the name by any means. He he would be thirty uh, eight year old Luis Rojas. Okay. And I'm about to break down for you exactly who this is. That's why you come to me and you listen to this week in sports, because I give you a little bit of everything to get you caught up on your week in sports. Who is Luis Rojas? Well, I'll tell you right now. He was hired in December 2018 as the Mets quality control coach. Okay. He has been with the organization as a minor league coach and manager since 2007. This is the key. I had no idea about this. I know a lot of people were um, with me on this where they did not know any of this. Uh, or who he really was. Well, guess what? He has some baseball in his blood, baby. He is the son of former player and manager Felipe Alou and the half-brother of Moises Alou. And Moises Alou, the only thing you have to know is he had a great career. Half-brother, like I said. He is better known for the Steve Bartman incident with the Cubs, where he was the outfielder trying to catch the ball. And Steve Bartman, of course, was the one that reached over and interfered with that. So hey, um, it's not a splashy name hire like Beltron was. But if you comparing, if you compare him to Beltron, man, does he have more experience? Yes, he does. He has managed about half the team throughout the minors. He got a resounding um He got resounding praise from Pete Alonso and Marcus Stroman on Twitter. I know they got into a feud with Chris Carlin who wanted Terry Collins and was not happy about Luis Rojas. Um, But, yeah, hey, the the deal is um, they're saying it's going to be a multi-year deal. I'm hearing about two years. So not really a huge vote of confidence, but let's be real – if he has any success, they can just re-up that deal and, and extend it because you look at the Pat Shermers of the world and all these coaches, they give them these four-, five-, six-year deals, and within two years, they're fired anyway. So I'm, I know it's not really much of a vote of confidence, but I have no issue with it because it's the Mets, and they tend to you know suck anyway to the point where they're looking. They could be looking for a new manager in two years anyway. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. And with that being said... That's it. That's all I have on the baseball front. So not too painful. Um, Got you caught up in eh, 24 minutes. That's a little longer than I wanted, but I went on a little rant, a little Jeter rant, a little Hall of Fame rant, if you will. Um, Okay, we'll take another quick break, and we will wrap this thing up with some Zion Williamson making his NBA debut in a splashy way. We had NBA All-Star starters announced and then we'll get you out of here with On This Date in Sports. We'll be right back. I love this one. The quickness. second jump. Aggressively stepping in rhythm. Knocking down the long ball. Put this team in position because of his aggressiveness. Zion making his debut last uh, Wednesday night. Sorry, Wednesday night. Not last night. And it was a dud for about three quarters. And then, as you heard, he started to take over the game a little bit. They end up losing by about 5, I think it was, 122, 117, something like that. But Zion goes off for 17 straight Pelicans points in the fourth quarter. He went 4-for-4 from 3, which is quite shocking. He's not a horrible three-point shooter, um, if you remember back to his Duke days a year ago. But he's he's not great. He's not, you know... He, he, he's not uh, R.J. Barrett-esque. R.J. Barrett, I think, a little bit better from downtown. But, hey, 17 straight points for your team in a 3.08 stretch, three minutes, eight seconds. That is impressive. And um, we'll see where he goes from there, see how the knee is feeling. Hopefully he's good. Hopefully, you know, no real uh, lingering effects it's going to be an issue for him, though. All, uh, all his entire, throughout his entire career, he's a big kid. He's playing in basically a linebacker's body, trying to play the game of basketball, and he plays it viciously and ferociously, and he dunks a lot. And it's going to be a lot of torment on those legs. So we'll see how long that his career lasts, and hopefully he's not another Greg Oden. Okay, uh, we also had last night the. Brooklyn Nets, my Brooklyn Nets getting uh thrashed at home by the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, uh, LeBron James, he had a triple double, I believe. It was 75 to 70 at halftime. If that tells you enough, my god. And then they went uh you know, they dragged this one out in the second half and they just got a big time lead and that was all she wrote. I know Kyrie Irving has come out and said st- some stuff that who knows the descent in the locker room right now, but he said they need some more star power there right now. It's not enough. They're not going to cut it. And so, you know, I, I, I tend to agree in the sense that until they get Kevin Durant back from what I've seen by this team so far this year, they're not, they're not that good. And they weren't that great last year. And they, they made the playoffs. They got in as a, you know, like a six or seven seed. I forget. And um, they gave the Sixers a little run, but not really. And I think they'll do a little more of the same this year. I thought they would move up this year. Uh, the Raptors are surprisingly better than I thought they would be after they lost Kawhi, and um, yeah, they're just they're a middle of the road team right now and they're under 500 and they got to turn things around. But back to LeBron, he is now just 17 points away from passing Kobe Bryant uh for third on the all-time scoring list, so that's pretty cool. He should get to that mark tomorrow night. If not, then uh, in the ne- in the game following that one. But he will get there in the next couple of games. And then yesterday, the NBA announced All-Star Game starters. They re- uh, redid the format, I don't know, was it last year or the year before that, where they named these team captains from the East and the West. And although these are the starters, I guess you they do a draft. I think this the last year was the first time they televised it. And so it's uh, LeBron and Giannis. Um, as the captains, and then in the I'll start with the West. You have LeBron and AD, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, and James Harden. And then in the East, it's Giannis, Joel Embiid, Trey Young, Kemba Walker making his fourth appearance, and Pascal Siakam. Um, so yeah, that's your starters there in the East and the West. And then some sad news to report: Chandler Parsons. You may have heard this one earlier in the news. This is a few a few days old, or maybe even happened over the weekend, but. Chandler Parsons, now his career was kind of headed in the wrong direction anyway. He was with the Atlanta Hawks. He's on the Atlanta Hawks, but he has been a healthy scratch since late December. Hasn't been playing. Well, he was on his way home from practice when he was involved in a very serious car crash. It ended up uh, being a, I think, three-car crash. His injuries include from what we know a traumatic brain injury disc herniation and a torn labrum that could potentially end his playing career that's very sad so uh here it was he was um he was hit by a driver that was ended up being arrested for driving um while drunk which is horrible and yeah i think yeah, it caused a three car crash. Yeah, it's just very sad. I don't have any updates on this as of right now, but um that would be, yeah, devastating. And I'm sure at this point his playing career is an is, you know, an afterthought. The main goal is for him to get healthy, get better. Um, anytime you suffer a brain injury, that is very scary. There could be all sorts of different ramifications. She might never be the same again. Uh, but hopefully, he's able to pull through and recover. And maybe we do see him on a basketball court in the future. Who knows? But pulling for Chandler Parsons, he's in our thoughts. And then finally, uh, let's get, I want to talk about LeBron again, real quick. LeBron James, they, he played the Knicks on Wednesday, the Nets on Thursday. Well, against the Knicks, he was asked by a reporter the dumbest question I've heard all year. This reporter asked LeBron that if his son, Bronny junior was drafted by the New York Knicks. If LeBron would come and sign with the Knicks so he could play with his son and LeBron had a great response to this. And he just simply said, my son is in the ninth grade, man. I'm trying to worry about what project he got to turn in tomorrow. And it's so true. It is so, so true because the kid is 14 years old. He's got to go another five years, rest of high school. And then one, uh, So another, yeah, like four to five years, rest of high school and one year of college. And the best part about it is I don't know how this kid has time to do any schoolwork because I just saw a graphic on the online that Sierra Canyon, they're being televised every single night on ESPN. You saw earlier too, uh, a stupid fan threw a starburst at Bronny Jr. on the court and the game had to be stopped. Just asinine. There's stupid people out there. That's a young kid. Please don't do that. Sierra Canyon. This kid, how does he have time to do any schoolwork? If you look at their 2019-2020 flight tracker and see how many miles they have traveled this year, I don't know where they get this in the budget. Um, I guess it's a private school, and they could pay all this money to fly to all these different cities. They've been as far out as uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, and Newark, New Jersey, not too far from me. They also went to Shanghai, China one time. And in total, they have traveled 38,318 miles. By comparison, the uh, the Kansas Jayhawks have traveled just 21,518 miles. The Kentucky Wildcats, 13,648 miles. And the Duke Blue Devils have traveled just 8,380 miles. So you have the Sierra Canyon, High school basketball team traveling further than a couple of, excuse me, college, top-tier college programs. That's just insane. I don't know how you have time to do any schoolwork. It's ridiculous. That's a lot of pressure to be putting on these kids, but uh, hey, it is what it is. So yeah, shame on that reporter for asking a dumb question. Nobody wants to go play for the Knicks anyway, so no, they're not, that's not going to happen. Okay, that was it for NBA. Let's talk really quick. One quick note about college basketball. Um, Besides the fact that my Rutgers team lost on Wednesday, that's why I was not watching Zion Williamson make his debut. I was watching Rutgers at Iowa. First time ranked in 41 years, and they lost by five. It was a tough-fought road loss. But, uh, yeah, we'll move on from that. And um, now let's talk about the biggest brawl that I've seen in a long time in a college basketball game, this was Ron Artest Pacers into the stands level. The end of the Kansas-Kansas State game on Tuesday, okay, and it got chippy. I guess the game was pretty much over. Somebody went in for, like, a layup, and then it got chippy, and it was led by Silvio De, uh, Sousa. He was at the center of this, and he is in big time trouble. Already the kid was what was, you know, suspended 2 years for taking money and all sorts of stuff like that. And now he comes into this one. This was cr- crazy, okay? He picked up a chair did D'Souza, and in the middle of this brawl, I guess it spills over into the floor seating area and he picks up a chair and this guy is ready to hit somebody with this like he's in the WWE. I mean, it's insane. Luckily, for his sake, he'd be in jail right now. Luckily, some assistant coach ran over, stopped him in time before he could, you know, swing that chair and 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 hit anybody. Thank God for that hero, that assistant coach, whoever you are. But, um, yeah, since that happened suspensions have been levied and they are they are harsh bill self and kansas has suspended him indefinitely and the big 12 conference has given him a 12 game suspension so yeah it, it was insane if you haven't seen it try to go find it um on the uh, on youtube or something i'm sure it's out there and you could you could watch it um i forgot to mention this but there is some golf going on if i'm If I'm correct, like uh, Tiger playing in his first tournament of the year. I believe he he was uh, three under today. Let me see. Um, Let me try to find the other sports and get to golf. Sorry about that. It just popped into my mind. I don't know why. PGA Tour. Yeah, the Farmers Insurance Open. No, I thought that took place already. Round two is in progress. Anyway, let me see. I thought Tiger... Was in this and doing well. I don't know. Maybe I made that up. No, yeah, Tiger. He's tied for 17th. He's at four under. Okay, so I'm not 69, and he shot a 71 today, so something to keep an eye on for the weekend if uh, that's your jam. I might check that out because I'm obviously big into golf myself, and with that being said, guys, we will end this podcast on a signature note, and that is, of course, on this date in sports history, and we take it back to uh, January 24th, 1986, when a then 19-year-old Mike Tyson, a.k.a. Kid Dynamite, took down Mike Jameson to break Rocky Marciano's record for straight KOs to start a career at 17. That's just ridiculous. This was before the ear-biting, before the Hangover movies, before we got to know all of Mike Tyson. Um, And then, oh, I'll throw another one in there. I saw this on Instagram today. Six-year anniversary of Carmelo Anthony scoring a career-high 62 points for the Knicks at MSG, and it is a Knick record. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Mello. He's still hanging in there with the Trailblazers, doing pretty good. So, yeah, okay, guys, that is going to wrap this thing up. Enjoy the weekend, the football-less weekend. There is no no NFL football, obviously. Next week will be the Super Bowl. You've got a lot of college hoops on. There continues to be crazy upsets. Michigan State lost last night. Uh, Ohio State keeps losing. Michigan keeps losing. It's just, uh, you know, it's been mayhem. It's been crazy upsets left and right, and we'll we'll see you know what March holds for 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 college basketball. But uh, I'm strapping in and I'm getting ready for an exciting finish. But I can't wait to see the Super Bowl next week. Um, I'll I'll give you guys more insights on that on Friday or Saturday's episode, depending on when I do it next week. That'll be episode 85. Thank you guys for listening. If you uh, well wherever you listen and you uh, to stay up to date on all of my episodes when to get them when they publish immediately. So you're not behind on anything. Subscribe, 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 whether that's Apple podcasts or iTunes, that's really the same thing. Or whether you listen on pocket casts, cast CastBox, uh, Google podcasts, Spotify, I'm on all these platforms. You could hit the subscribe or like button or whatever the heart Icon and you will be subscribed. So anytime a new episode airs, you will get a notification. It will automatically add it to your library, and you can listen to it in the car when you're at the gym, you name it. And then go subscribe to the Glorious House of Gains podcast. Some of you may have been been a fan of that show and then found your way over here. I appreciate that. We are back. We did an episode last night. I'm sure many of you are concerned about Rob's health. He's doing just fine. So we were able to do an episode after taking the week off. And we did that yesterday. So you could go find that. We're having some difficulty with Apple pushing out the podcasts in the directory. So I'm hoping when I post this episode that it works. If you subscribe, you will find it. But in the directory, meaning if you go and search like the store, you won't be able to find the most recent episode. Um I've been told that it is an Apple issue and they're working on resolving it. So yeah, that's that. I'm not going to take up any more of your time. And last quick thing. I know she'll never see or hear this, but shout out to my sister. She is turning 25 on Sunday, January 26th. She also recently was named the, uh, head softball coach at Edison high school. So I figure I'd give her a shout out there as well on that front. um, And with that being said, guys, enjoy the weekend. Stay warm. I feel like I'm getting a sinus infection, so I'm going to curl up in bed right now after I take a quick shower, watch some TV, get my sports going, and uh, enjoy the weekend. So uh, without further ado, you've been listening to episode 84, I'm the Pody. Until next week, I'm signing out.